Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. This is Jason Witter, author, illustrator of Tiny East Vampire and Monsters Eating Ice Cream, and you are listening to Aaron's Horror Show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show Season 3, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We're going to go ahead and talk about movies, TV, and read some fiction. If you want to get hold of the show, you can go ahead and go to Facebook.com, Aaron's Horror Show, or you can go to Twitter.com, Aaron Horror Show, or you can go ahead and send us an email at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com. Uh, you can also go ahead and support the show by going to Patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We got some more Touristic U Chronicles for you. I'm going to go ahead and finish out Cal's Fall. That's Touristic U Chronicles Part 1 of the series. It's actually the shortest part, so uh, if you are looking at the stories online, uh, it's actually the, the shortest story of the entire collection, is the, the very first one. So, I don't know, it's a good a good taste, a good teaser uh, sets up the entire sort of plot <laughs> of the story, the overarching, uh, plot that is still resolving, uh, by, by, uh, the, the <laughs> eighth story, as I mentioned before. But, uh, yeah, I hope you are enjoying this and, you know, just to kind of catch you up on, uh, what happened, uh, Cal is, of course, this, uh, alien who, uh, you know, is, uh, lives, lives on, on a planet in a very simple sort of village, uh, lifestyle. And then she meets a human, which she's never he seen before. And that guy's name is Sarge. And you get the hint that he has a, a, a past of, of some sort. And, you know, Cal being weaker than her, uh, you know, basically people of her kind, uh, is kind of, building this cabin out in the woods to prove that she is uh not as weak as everyone thinks she is and of course that's when she meets sarge and he offers to uh uh you know help build her the cabin and uh you know they kind of form a friendship from there and eventually she gives him the ca cabin and then uh you know one night he gives her this mysterious uh stone and she takes it home uh buries it in her, uh, you know, in her house because, uh, Sarge says it's valuable and, uh, the next morning this happens. The next morning, Cal heard the most terrifying noise she had ever heard in her life. She got up and stumbled from her oak bed. Her room was small, barely big enough for her oversized bed, made 
smaller still by the mattress stuffed full of soft baruga leaves. Even though she was much smaller than her brothers and sisters, the villagers had built her a normal-sized bed. She decorated the furniture with interesting rocks she had found in the forest. A giant beast roared outside. The villagers ran around screaming. She heard them yell, Turisticue! Turisticue! A lump formed in Kel's throat. Her father's enemy had come at last. She heard that the Turisticue were savage and fierce, and that they would eat children whole. Cal thought about sneaking out to warn Sarge, but knew he was better off hidden away in the cabin. The Turisticues would not raid a cabin when they could raid a whole village. She heard her front door being broken down and heard screams of her family. She looked around frantically for her weapon and ended up breaking a leg off her chair. Seconds later, a Turisticue kicked open the door, sending rocks tumbling from her dresser. With a battle cry, she smacked the thing invading her room. The makeshift weapon bounced harmlessly off its hide. It tore the chair leg from her hand and kicked her to the ground. The Turisticue was truly fearsome to behold. It was bipedal, like her, with smooth black skin and looked hard as a tree bark. Tubes connected its hulking chest to its face, where it had deep, fearsome black eyes. War paint covered the body. The fearsome bird of prey was like anything she had ever seen on her world was tattooed on its chest. It was a hulking mass that could contend with the strongest villager. The Turisticue pointed a giant club at Cal. Move, the Turisticue said in a deep growl. Outside, now. The Turisticues were swarming the village. They shoved families out of their multi-story homes and they were corralling them up in the town square. There was a giant bird hovering over the village. Fierce and menacing, it was painted the same black as the Turisticue's skin. Cal wondered if it was one of those spaceships Sarge talked about. The villagers who didn't comply with the given orders were dragged to the town square. They were kicked, punched, and knocked around by the clubs the Turisticues waved and pointed at everyone. The scene was chaotic, and the families huddled together. Children wailed in fear. Cal's mom tried to comfort Cal with a hug, but Cal pushed her mom away and stood to wait for the Turisticues to speak. Soldiers just stared with their hollow black eyes. One member of the crowd panicked breaking away from the square. She started running as fast as she could. The Tristicue soldiers screamed at him to stop. They ordered him to the ground. A panicked man does not listen to reason. So one of the soldiers leveled his club towards the running man. The thunder and lightning spewed forth from the club. The running man dropped to the ground. It was too far away for Cal to see what happened, but he was no longer moving. The soldiers didn't seem to pay any attention to him after that. Once the Turisticus has rounded up the remaining villagers, the soldiers formed a circle around them. Some of the villagers prayed to the Sky Fathers and others to the Earth Mother. Children whimpered, mothers and fathers comforted their families. Most of the young and able-bodied stood with grim, blank expressions. It was the expressions of competitors before sporting matches, but unlike Rockball or Log Toss, they may have to fight for their life. Even if Cal never met her father, she would go down fighting the Turisticue. Her father would be proud if she died a warrior like him. A Turisticue with a much more adornment and many tattoos walked towards the crowd. 
The soldiers made way for him and looked as if they treated him with reverence. He was probably their leader. He stopped in front of the crowd and lifted the face of a quivering earth sister. So beautiful, the leader began. I really don't like destroying things of beauty. A dagger ejected from his forearm and he stabbed her through the heart. The crowd gasped and the children screamed. Some covered their faces. Two of the Tristiku soldiers dragged the body away. The leader turned back to the crowd. But I will destroy anything beautiful, and every last one of you, unless you tell me where you're hiding the fugitive, the leader barked. The village elder, Kan Ujtar, came forward. He smiled deeply and exuded a sense of peace. The elder had studied the great teachings of inner peace and always remained calm. He needed to remain focused because the teachings said that the best decisions were made with logic and benefit to all. Khan cleared his mind so he would never put his personal desires over the desires of the village. Now Khan had clearly set his self-preservation aside as he addressed the Turisticu leader directly. There is no one in the village aside from you and those you see, Khan said to the creature before him. That's a lie, and you know what I hate? When nigs lie. There is no direct translation for the word nig, but Sarge said nig was a term star species used for people from Cal's planet. He said that her home star system was named Nigromoto, after the first human to explore the system, and that the star species first made it to the system got to name it. The people living on our planet were called Nigromodians, but the term got shortened to Nig. When Cal asked him why the natives didn't get to name their own planets, Sarge would laugh as he often would say and said, You clearly don't know a lick about how the universe works. The word Nig rolled off the Turisticus tongue with hatred. It had to be more than just a term to identify the people living on this planet. Cal wondered if there were other connotations of the word that she didn't know. Her attention was drawn back as she felt the growling speech of the Turisticus grow more intense with every word. I am not lying. You may search the villages if you like, Khan said humbly. Trust me, I will. But I'd rather not waste time. I'd rather have you tell me where he is. I cannot produce what we are not hiding. That's too bad. The dagger extended from the leader's arm into a sword. He brought it high towards the sky, and with one swoop, the elder's head popped off. It rolled into a group of villagers who screamed in horror. The body of the elder crashed to the ground, staining it purple with blood. The entire village began to panic. The soldiers pointed their thunderclubs, ready in case someone tried to run. Calm down, calm down. The leader bellowed. He lifted a sword and grabbed a small child, not yet old enough to lift stones. No one else needs to die. I merely want you to produce the prisoner. Cal thought about the stone Sarge gave her. Could he have known about the impending Turisticu attack? Did he intend for Cal to bribe her way out of it? Cal grew up on stories of the legendary greed of the Turisticu. Their nobles dined in large, luxurious towers. They would throw their bones from the top of the tower and watch the lower classes fight each other for the scraps.
They were ruthless and greedy, and Cal had money. She stepped forward. I can help. Cal's mother yelled, No, Cal, don't! She could see tears forming in her mother's eyes. She knew that her mother thought of her as fragile, and the Tristicue would snap her in half. But now was Cal's chance to prove herself. She could prove that she was a valuable member of the village, like her Earth brothers and sisters, who would lift the largest stones or drag the biggest trees. Cal pushed her mother aside, aware that her mom had broken down into tears. A brave one, the leader said, and let the child go. Squealing in terror, the child ran back to his mother. The leader walked a circle around Cal. His gaping black eyes drank in her form. I like bravery. Tell me, where is the prisoner? I need to go to my house, Cal said. She knew the leader would not believe a mere villager would have such a valuable stone, and she decided she needed to show it to him. To get me the prisoner, asked the leader. I have something at my home. It will help you. Show me, the leader's voice lightened, but it was still a growl by the comparison of the villagers. The leader nodded, and the two soldiers grabbed Cal, dragging her towards her home. Her mother screamed, Cal, no! A soldier hit her mother with the butt of his thunderclub. Cal winced when she saw her in pain. She almost cried out. She wanted to save her mom, but she knew she had to be strong. She let the soldiers drag her away and left her mother heaving in the grass. The soldiers tossed Cal into her family home, where the house was torn apart and left in shambles. The couches were shredded, the kitchen cabinets ajar her entire life, and everything her family held dear was strewn about like a refuse pile. More and more, Cal understood why her father had left to fight the Turistikus. Even though the members of her village hated violence, the Turistikus were a menace. There had to be a situation where violence was warranted. Cal vowed that if she made it out alive, she would join her father's fight against the Turistikus. You got two minutes, one of the soldiers said, and pointed his thunder club toward Cal. She scrambled in the kitchen and pried open the loose floorboard. The board came up with ease. Kel reached in for the stone. The Tristigus aimed their weapons at her. She pulled out the stone and displayed it to the soldiers. The soldiers glanced at each other, and one moved to swipe the stone. Cal was quick and yanked the stone away. I will only give it to your leader. Why don't we just kill you now and take it for ourselves? One soldier retorted. How would you explain that to your leader? The soldiers seemed to consider what she said. Without another word, they dragged her from the home. She held tightly to the stone, knowing it would be her salvation. Sarge would never let her down. The two soldiers pushed Cal down at the leader's feet. She ate a full face of grass, but still managed to clutch the stone to her breast. The leader looked down wordlessly as she lifted the stone up. The leader's head cocked at the sight of the stone, and he tore it from Cal's hand. Where did you get this? he barked. You can have the stone, but you must leave my village and never return, Cal said. Her mother broke from the crowd. Cal, don't! You don't know what you're saying! D don't listen to her! I don't like to repeat myself. Where did you get this? The leader lowered his voice to a deep, terrible growl. Y you have the stone. There are no others like it. Leave us, Cal said. She knew it was time for courage. The beast was greedy, just like the Turisticule legends. She had to be firm. The Turisticule leader pointed his thunderclub at her mother and pulled the trigger. Cal screamed as lightning tore through her mother's head, falling to her knees. Her mom, smoldering forward, dropped to the grass. Cal cratered the charred corpse that had been her mother. 
The crowd of villagers gasp and scream. Cal headed towards the leader. Her eyes narrowed. The two soldiers held Cal back as he struggled, bellowing with rage. Perhaps it was part of her father that dwelled within her. Most of the villages cowered with fear while bloodlust filled Cal's heart. The leader turned the thunderclub toward Cal when one of her earth brothers, Per Yi Tao, stepped forward. I know where she got it. She, she got it from a man in the woods. I, I followed her one day after hearth story and saw the man. The man is a star species. Can you take me to this man? The leader asked. Yeah, Cal made a cabin for him. I know where it is. Excellent. Well, this will be a lesson to anyone who attempts to defy our orders. Things go smoothly when you listen, nigs die when you don't. Bring the bitch, watch the others. No one leaves the town square until I get back. A few soldiers grabbed Purr and Cal. They placed a box on Cal's wrist, and it produced beams of light that bound her wrist together. Another box was put on Purr. The soldiers pushed Cal and Purr forward. The leader brought up the rear. Cal began to formulate a plan to warn Sarge. The group approached the hill which hid the cabin from view. Cal had learned a few things about her enemy on the journey through the woods. They didn't seem to be as flexible or as fast. Their hulking bodies slowed them down, but they didn't seem to tire, fatigue, or even get winded. Cal also knew they possessed amazing strength. If she were to break free from the group, she would have to use speed, smarts, and the cover of dense foliage. She thought of a patch of foliage that would be too dense for the Tristicus, as even Purr would struggle to get through it. Cutting through the patch would be shortcut to the cabin, as Cal could cross the side of the hill rather than climb to the top like the Tristicus would be forced to do. Once she was close to the bushes, she darted from the group. After her! The leader screamed. Two blasts of thunderclubs exploded in the trees around her before she slid into the foliage. The Tristigus stopped pursuing after they discovered they couldn't hack through the foliage as fast as she could run through it. For once, her fragile form was an advantage. Cal ran towards the cabin, her hands still bound by beams of light. She stumbled through the trees and made it to the cabin door in no time. Even if the Tristicus started running up the hill as soon as she bolted, she would have a few minutes to warn Sarge. Sarge! Sarge! Cal yelled as she burst through the cabin door. The main room was empty. Sarge picked a lousy time to go hunting. Sarge? She ran through the cabin, inside and out. There was no sign of Sarge. Furthermore, there was no evidence that Sarge had ever lived in the cabin. All of his possessions were gone. There was no evidence of human occupation other than some ashes in the cooking fire and the human-sized furniture. Cal had no time to contemplate his disappearance as the leader and his troops burst through the door. Upon seeing the empty cabin, the leader screamed with rage and shattered the table and chairs. He kicked the cooking pot from the fireplace and pointed his thunderclub at the bed and fired. After he had taken his rage out on the bed, he dragged Cal outside by her hair. She attempted to kick and punch, but the Tristicus skin was cold to the touch and tough as tree bark. He threw Cal into the dirt outside the cabin. As she choked on the dust, she noticed Purr's body at the top of the hill. They must have shot him in the back as soon as they saw the cabin. Cal's anger boiled as the image of her mother replayed in her mind. She hated the Tristicus and was powerless to stop them. She wished her father would return, and she wanted to learn the ways of a warrior. Instead, she would die face down in the dirt, crying over her dead mother. When her mother offered to comfort her, Cal regretted not accepting. She heard the giant lumbering clomp of the Tristicus' feet behind her. 
Cal knew she would be struck down by the lightning just like Purr, but nothing happened. She was slumped over with her back to the Touristicue. She trembled for the longest time as the leader circled and lifted her head, forcing her to gaze into the deep abyss of the Touristicue's called eyes. Do you know what this is? The leader showed Cal the stone. It's money, Cal sputtered. No, it's a tracking device. It is surgically implanted into all prisoners. But, Sarge, Sarge lied to you, but I'll tell you what, I'll go easy on you, because I bet it's the first time anyone's ever lied to you. Besides, I don't like destroying things of beauty. The leader lifted Cal to her feet and pushed her toward the hill. Torch it, the leader said, and one soldier pulled a stone from his belt. He pulled a pin from the stone and lobbed it into the cabin. Seconds later, the cabin exploded in a brilliant blaze. Cal felt the heat of the flames on her back as the leader dragged her forward. When they reached the outskirts of the village, Cal could see all the people huddled in the town square. Most of them were sitting and waiting. The earlier panic that had transformed into a kind of nervous unrest. The soldiers were no longer pointing their thunderclubs. The leader turned towards them, giving an order in a language Cal couldn't understand, and the translator wouldn't translate. As the soldiers moved to comply with the orders, he said, I like your bravery, and your tenacity. You stepped up in a way that most nigs don't. I've been on this rock for three years now, I believe, and every nig I meet is a pushover. You could rape their daughter in front of them, and they'll forgive you for it. Not that I condone rape. There has to be limits, or your men won't respect you. Cal's blood began to boil. She wanted nothing more than to slit the Tristicus' throat, but she was powerless. She doubted a mere knife would pierce his tough skin, and wrestling a thunderclub of his hands wouldn't work either. You're unlike your Nick friends, the leader continued. You've got the spark. I saw it in your eyes, and I'm going to give you a chance. The soldiers spread the leader's orders to the rest of the group. They turned to the gathered crowd and opened fire. The thunderclubs blazed with fury as lightning bolts made no distinction between old, sick, weak man, woman, or child. Cal rushed forward, but the leader held her back. The villagers screamed in terror as they dropped one by one from the barrage of lightning until no one was left standing. Cal wailed and fought in an attempt to struggle free. She had to save the villagers. Most snakes fear death, yet you run towards it, the leader pondered. Cal collapsed to the ground, choking on her own tears. You can't do anything for them, he continued. They harbored a fugitive of the law, and the penalty for harboring a fugitive is death. The massacre was followed by firestones being thrown into the houses and onto the pile of bodies. Explosions rocked the houses. Debris tore through the village. The skin of the Tristicus seemed to protect them. The flames devoured everything. Soon the whole village was an inferno. Cal had no more tears. She mourned for her mother and her brothers and sisters. She forced the image of every villager into her mind. She wanted to remember their faces. I told you I'd do you a favor, the leader said. Since you were helpful and cooperated, I'm going to have your sentence commuted. You will serve out a natural life term in prison. And think about it this way. When I catch Sarge, and I will catch Sarge, he'll join you in prison, and you'll get your chance at revenge. Heat from the burning village caused sweat to pour from her brow. Cal vowed herself that she would get her revenge, but it wasn't Sarge she was after. A Tristicue soldier placed its fist on her neck. A needle slid from its forearm and injected her with a burning liquid. 
she felt woozy and tumbled into a deep sleep where she would relive the tragedy again and again. All right, there we go. The very first uh, Touristicu Chronicles uh, story. Yep, I know that's heavy, heavy, heavy stuff, man. It's dark. Uh, it gets darker, and there's also hope at the end of the uh, end of the tunnel. There, got to go on the journey, man. <laughs> uh, I hope you enjoyed that, and uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and continue on with uh, the Touristicu Chronicles too. Uh, Al's truth.